0: I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3 primarily. That's what we'll be focusing today. Let's look at the first three verses. We must, therefore, pay even more attention to what we have heard, so that we will not drift away. For if the message spoken through angels was legally binding, and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was first spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. The point of this passage uh if i could summarize it right at the beginning here you will drift from the christian faith if it's not central to your life you will drift from the christian faith if it's not central to your life and in drifting you will likely drift into danger if it's not central to your life if it's not regularly on your mind your passion will dissipate and you will drift uh, and your energy for christ will uh decrease If you're not consciously engaged with Jesus every day, you will go from wholeheartedness to half-heartedness at best. Such drifting is evidenced in such things as less enthusiasm for Jesus Christ, a decrease in prayer, a virtually never praising the Lord Jesus, less giving thanks to God, decreased church attendance, a less time in the scriptures, more self-centeredness. Uh, greater excitement about other things than the things of God—things like movies or entertainment, or even fixing up the house or lawn maintenance—you can put anything in there: fashion, shopping, eating, work, music, Facebook, Netflix, email, what have you. Um, you'll have a greater passion for other things rather than the things of God. No longer are you seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness; instead, you are seeking other things first. Uh, David said in the Psalms, I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Believers who are drift, drifting from the Christian faith don't say that. They don't feel that. Such drifting results in such things as reduced holiness, uh, which is another way of saying increased sinfulness or increased compromise with the world or increased worldliness. Solomon's son, one of his sons' name was Rehoboam, and Rehoboam became king after Solomon. And uh, this, this was uh, basically Solomon's epitaph, the next verse there, Andy, next slide. He did evil, this was said of Rehoboam, he did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. He did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. It wasn't that Rehoboam was actively seeking evil. The problem was that the Lord wasn't the center of his life, and so he drifted into evil. He drifted into wickedness. He drifted into compromise. The exhortation of this passage, then, the burden of this passage is this. Make your Christian faith the primary focus of your life. Make your Christian faith the primary focus of your life. It should be the primary focus. Our outline for today is is this. I want to talk, first of all, about the context of this exhortation, and then I want to talk about the exhortation itself in in verse 1, and then verses 2 and 3 talk about the stakes, the stakes that are involved. So first of all, let's talk about the context. The context for this exhortation is this, that God has communicated to us by the greatest living being ever. didn't know how to word this exactly. It's probably not a fantastic, but you get the idea. Uh, The greatest living being ever, his son, Jesus Christ. The context is chapters 1 and 2. Flip back or scroll up or however you're looking at the Bible, look at the uh, chapter, the beginning of Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 where it says long ago God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. God because of his mercy and grace because God is merciful and gracious he communicates to us human beings He communicates to us human beings, even though we have all sinned and gone astray, yet he continues to communicate with us. In the past, it was through the prophets. Then he finally communicated through his greatest and final ambassador, which is his son, Jesus Christ. Now, from those two verses at the beginning of Hebrews, the author could have gone straight to chapter 2. He could have gone straight to could have gone straight to chapter 2 and told us straight out, God has spoken to us now through Jesus and we've got to pay attention to what he said. But he doesn't do that. He instead writes the rest of chapter 1. He wants to take the time to remind us of Jesus' credentials. Uh, He wants to impress upon us the greatness of Jesus so that we will understand the greatness of the message that comes through Jesus. So how great is Jesus uh, Hebrews answers that in two ways, by talking about who Jesus is and talking about what Jesus has done for humanity, the work that Jesus has done for humanity. So I just want to briefly summarize those real quick. First of all, in chapter 1, he talks about who Jesus is. And let me just summarize the next slide there. The author of Hebrews says in chapter 1 that Jesus is God. That's a pretty impressive to put on your resume right there, that he is God. He is the creator of the universe— he is the sustainer of the universe. So not only did he make everything, but he also holds it, continues to hold it together, and he is the heir of all things. He made purification for all sins. He sits at God's right hand, and he is superior to the angels. Just some of the things that the author of Hebrews wants to impress upon us about Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 2, verses 5 through 18, we have this summary of what Jesus has done for humanity if you will. Yep. Jesus became human like us in order to accomplish the following. He suffered on our behalf. He became human to taste death for us, that is to become our substitute. He became human in order to sanctify us and make us holy. He became human in order to bring us into God's family and to make us his brothers. Next slide. He became human in order to become our merciful and faithful high priest and to help us when we're tested. And so that by his death as a human, uh, he destroyed our enemy, the devil, and freed us from the fear of death. And by his death, he also atoned for our sins. We could spend a lot of time on those descriptions, but we're not going to right now. Um, There you go. That's the son. That's the Lord Jesus and that son, that Jesus, has given to us a body of teaching that comes straight from God. A body of teaching that will change our lives. And the author of Hebrews says we need to continue to pay more and more attention to that message that has come to us through Christ. When I was in uh, when I was in seminary, um, we had chapel regularly. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember if it was every day. I don't think it was every day, but you know, every few days a week we would have chapel, and we had a schedule of speakers who were going to come. and And I saw uh, one semester that on the schedule was John Stott. John Stott was going to be coming to um, seminary. Now, now many of you may not know the name of John Stott, but others of you do, and um, we. When I saw that John Stott was going to be there, I made it a point that I was going to be at that chapel. I have, I brought up here. These are books that I have by John Stott uh, on ministry, um, and uh, this this is not his complete uh, bibliography. This is only a small sampling of the of the books that John Stott has written. He is, I think it's safe to say, had a significant impact upon my life, just in terms of. The output he has written with regards to theology. He's a, he was a, he, he died recently, but he was a, he was a pastor in England. Um, but he was also a scholar, an evangelist, a commentator, author, apologist, and so forth. A significant individual. I had no idea what he was going to speak on, but I wanted to make sure that I was at that chapel because I considered, is this not on? Maybe the battery's not working. We'll just keep using this mic. Is that why I sounded softer when I walked away from the mic? Here? Okay, thank you. It's good to have these things down. I'll just stay right here. I'm fine. No, I'm good. Okay, all right. This will look great on, uh, you know, on the video. Uh, but I wanted to be there because he was a man of achievement. Because he was a man of achievement, and many others, um, as it turned out, many others wanted to be there too. The chapel was full. Crowds throng to hear what people of achievement have to say. What they say must be worthwhile, so the thinking goes. Do you know of anyone who has achieved more than Jesus Christ? Do you know of any other person who approaches the resume of Jesus Christ? Last week we showed a video, The Greatest Man Alive, in honor of fathers. Um, But in truth, Jesus Christ is the greatest person who has ever lived. And that's the context of the exhortation, to pay close attention to what you've heard. Pay close attention to what you've heard because what you've heard has come through the greatest person who has ever lived, the creator, sustainer, and heir of all creation, the one who has done more for humanity than all other great men and women combined, the very Son of God. So now let's examine the exhortation. And there it is on the screen. Pay close attention to your Christian faith. Pay close attention to your Christian faith Verse 1, we must therefore pay even more attention to what we have heard. And what is it that we've heard? According to verse 3, what we have heard are the things that Jesus first taught and then his apostles after him also taught. It's the message of salvation. It's the gospel. It's all that we learn about the Christian faith from Jesus and the apostles in his word. What we have heard are the truths about ourselves, about sin, about judgment, about God, about Jesus, about the cross and the resurrection, about new life, about eternal life, about godly living. It's the Christian faith. And why are we to pay more attention to the Christian faith? Because in verse 1, so that we will not drift away, so that we won't drift away. You would think that such a great messenger as the Lord Jesus And bringing us such a great message of salvation that there is no way we would drift from such an important message. And we are, and yet we are amazingly inconsistent and illogical creatures. We are not especially good at prioritizing. We have a habit of paying attention to that which is trivial and not to that which is important. Have you ever read a life changing book and thought, okay, this is, this is going to make a difference in my life. I'm going to implement some of these things and if you like few weeks later you realize that you haven't changed at all or been to a life-changing conference with the same kind of same kind of result Hebrews the book of Hebrews is addressed to believers it's addressed to Christians it's addressed to those who have already embraced the message those who have been living out their Christian faith but the author there is concerned that they will drift away from it through neglect or from outside pressure and I've seen it too many times where, where someone who has been, has been on fire for the Lord and then, and then gradually, slowly, over time, the fire becomes dimmer and dimmer. It goes out. The passion becomes thin. Um, and the author of Hebrews recognizes that reality. Don't let that be you. Don't let that be you. You must pay even more attention to what you have heard. And if this is you, if you recognize some of these symptoms, if you recognize that your passion has dimmed for the Lord, you know, Romans 12, 11 says, uh, um, keep your, uh, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. If you recognize, recognize that that zeal and that, that fervor has dimmed, has diminished, now is the time. Now is the time to do what Hebrews 2, 1 says and start paying more attention to the things that you have heard. In the, in the parable that was referenced earlier in the video, Jesus talked about people who heard the word but let it go because of pressure or persecution. And he talked about people who, who let it go because of the worries of this life, because of the sedu- seduction of wealth or because of the desire for other things. The situation in our country right now, don't let the current upheaval in our country cause you to drift away. Don't let it cause you to lose sight of what's important, your walk with the Lord. Don't let the desire for other things dampen your enthusiasm for the Lord. How do people drift away? By not paying attention to the most, to the most important message. They become lazy. Um, look over, flip over, if you will, to chapter five, verse 11. Chapter five, verse 11. Verses 11 and 12 there. We have a great deal to say about this. And it's difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. Although although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. And over time, as Christians let their laziness keep them from paying attention, or as they allow the uh, hurry or trials of life to keep them from paying attention, they become enamored with other pursuits, other interests, other hobbies. And the passion for the lord is diverted elsewhere and they begin to drift away you are a finite being Uh, you are limited and you only have a limited amount of energy and zeal if it goes elsewhere it can't go to the lord if it goes elsewhere it can't go to the lord where your treasure is there your heart will be also is what jesus said lot was a man of faith lot was a man of faith he was the nephew of abraham Um, but his passion for the Lord began to diminish as he moved, first of all, close to Sodom, and then he moved into Sodom. The co-laborer with Paul, a fellow minister of Paul, but in one of his later letters, Paul records this. uh, Next slide there. Paul says, Demas has deserted me because he loved this present world. Demas has deserted me because he loved this present world. And Demas' story is repeated again and again. Don't be like Demas. Don't desert your Christian faith. Don't desert your pursuit of God. Don't desert your following of Jesus Christ because you love the world too much. Don't love the world. The world is passing away, and so are all who are in love with it. In the words of Hebrews 2, 1, you must pay more close attention. You must pay even more attention to what you have heard. You must live your life in conscious submission to the Lord and the constant awareness of the presence of the Lord. Well, let's move on to the next point, verses 2 and 3, which are the stakes, the stakes that are involved. Verse 2, look at verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2. For if the message spoken through angels, this is talking about the law of Moses, this is talking about the Ten Commandments, if the message spoken through angels was legally binding and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? What is the message spoken through angels? I just told you, it's the Old Testament law. It's the law of Moses. The Bible indicates that when God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, the angels were present. The angels were present. And so that's what that's referring to. And what's the point of the question? The point of the question is that if the law of Moses that was given, and it was given through angels, Every infraction and every disobedience thereof was punished. It had consequences. And if Jesus is greater than the angels, which he is, then the message that he gives, the gospel, is also greater than the message that the angels gave, the Old Testament law. Therefore, the consequences of neglecting the message of Jesus are also greater than the consequences of disobeying the Old Testament law. So what are the consequences of neglecting Jesus and drifting from his teaching. What are the stakes? I just want to mention two, um, and they're significant. The first one is discipline from the Lord. Discipline from the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12 says that the Lord disciplines those he loves. In other words, the Lord disciplines believers and Christians as he needs to. Uh, And the analogy there, the, the picture there is of a parent with their child. If your child is not living right, don't you discipline them? And if they persist in their wrongdoing, don't you increase the discipline in order to correct them? Don't you increase the discomfort of their lives in order to prompt them to good living? For your own good, the Lord may use harsher and harsher measures to restore you to the path that leads to true joy and peace. One of my college professors used to say that some people are so stubborn that he has to get people on their back in order for them to look up. Discipline from the Lord. Another possibility, another thing uh, in considering the stakes uh, with regards to drifting and ignoring the message is uh, the next one, eternal judgment. So here's the question. Can a believer drift so far away from the Christian faith that they are no longer in the Christian faith? Can a believer drift so far that they no longer really believe that they are, therefore, an unbeliever? Faith is necessary for salvation. So if you no longer believe, how can you be saved? And if you are no longer saved, then you would be called what we refer to as unsaved. You are lost, and the judgment and eternal punishment that awaits all those who are unsaved also awaits you. Now, As some of you know, there is a long-standing debate over what the Bible says about a genuine Christian and the possibility of losing salvation. Many say that, yes, a genuine Christian can lose their salvation. And many others say that, no, a genuine Christian cannot lose their salvation. So if we see an an avid churchgoer, someone who professes and appears to be a Christian wane in their faith and eventually leave the church and appear to abandon the faith and indeed we've had a number of um we've had a number of of uh celebrity christians if you will in recent times uh who have uh renounced uh come out saying they renounce their former faith in the lord jesus how do we view that well, some mates say that they, they were, in fact, genuine believers, and they renounced their faith, and they have apostatized, they have lost their salvation. And those in the other camp would say that that person never really had genuine faith to begin with. It uh, What they had looked like genuine faith, but it was only an imitation of the real thing. Well, I'm not here to solve the debate today, but but here's what we can agree on. That a person who is now living a life with apparent disregard for the Lord Jesus is likely headed for eternal suffering in hell uh, unless they repent, regardless of what the past was like. And here's where we can also agree. If you evidence little enthusiasm enthusiasm for Christ and for the things of God, we have great concern for your soul and we have great concern for your salvation. Look at chapter 3, verse 12, if you will. Chapter 3, verse 12, where the writer says, Watch out, brothers, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. He says, Watch out, brothers, so that there isn't among you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. The, the author of Hebrews is concerned, concerned about drift in the lives of of a believer. And we don't want that for any of you. And believe me, you don't want that for yourself either. I've been here a little while. Some of you have been here a little while too. I don't mean just today. I mean in terms of uh, being a part of this church. Um, And we've seen people leave us. We've seen people move, of course, geographically. Zach left us, but that was for good reason. (laughs) But we've seen people leave us... um, and they don't go to church anywhere else, and they appear to give up the faith. They appear um, to give up the faith, and they've deserted us in a sense. But really, they've they've deserted the Lord, um, and that's concerning. And don't protest. Don't come protesting to me. Oh, that could never happen to me, Pastor. I don't. I don't have a lot of confidence in human nature.
1: <laughs> but I do have
0: a lot. I do have confidence. I do have a lot more confidence in people who are actively seeking first the kingdom of the Lord and his righteousness. I have a lot of confidence in people who are right now diligently walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. So pay attention to what you have heard. Pay close attention to your Christian life all the days of your life. You should constantly be growing in your faith. Studying the scriptures and prayer and talking about the Christian faith with others is not just for pastors. It's incumbent on every believer to, to, to uh, grow and, and, and be involved in these things. Pay it, paying attention to the things you have heard to the Christian faith should be part of your daily routine and no small part of it either. Verse 1 says, pay even more attention. This implies devotion of time and energy on a regular basis to that which should be central in your life. There's a phrase, nominal nominal Christian. Nominal Christian. Are you nominally Christian? Uh, that, that's, that's unacceptable to the Lord Jesus. That's unacceptable to Christ. That's like being nominally married. Nominally married. What, do you think your husband or wife would appreciate uh, if you would characterize your reference yourself as being nominally married? Are you married? Um, well, sort of. I mean, I guess you could say that. I mean, uh, we don't usually say talk that way. Um, and Jesus is not impressed with nominal Christianity. Luke fourteen thirty three. Jesus said, Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. This doesn't sound like nominal Christianity would be okay with Christ. doesn't sound like casual Christianity would be okay with Jesus. Look at one of Jesus' invitations in in Luke 9.23. Jesus said, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, Take up his cross daily and follow me. Uh, it sounds like a little bit more than a casual relationship. Look at the next verse. <laughs> and Perry, the would-be follower, said, So you're good with Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings? <laughs> okay, that's not actually in Scripture. No, Jesus isn't good with just Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow him. That's total commitment. It's total commitment. That's living to Christ all the time. That's living for Christ all the time. That's living with Christ all the time. It's being in communication with Christ all the time. The next verse, 1 Peter 1. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in what? In all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Everything you do is to be screened through uh, your commitment to Jesus Christ so that even whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. The next verse, 2 Corinthians 5.15, And Christ died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's not just for pastors. It's not just for missionaries. That's for all believers, all Christians. So, next one there. Christ should be at the center of your life. He should be at the center of your life, which means he should also be at the center of your routine and the center of your focus. If he's not, you need to make it so. Start paying more attention uh, to your Christian faith. And if you're here today and you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ... Let me encourage you that that can happen. <laughs> that can happen. Um, you, you simply acknowledge to the Lord that you are a sinner. Acknowledge to God that you are a sinner and that you have uh, come short of the glory of the God and that you're, you're deserving of punishment. And then believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that you might be saved. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Believe that he is the Son of God. And that he is the expression of God's love for you. That you might be reconciled to God so that you don't have to pay that penalty of your sins on your own. That you don't have to pay it at all. Christ died that that you might be saved. He paid that penalty for you. And then commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Commit your life then to beginning to following the Lord Jesus Christ. To seeking out who God is and who Christ is and what it means to do his will. Well, we're going to close in prayer and then we're going to sing a couple songs that, um, help us to respond to the Lord, particularly as to what he's been telling us in Hebrews chapter two. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And it's my prayer that, um, this verse, uh, uh, we must pay even more, we must pay even more attention to the things that we have heard that this would be true of everyone in this room. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.